Okay, we're, we're, we're live. We're live? We're recording. Okay, this is Spiel. Oh, start again, start again. <laughs> you totally lost my cadence. Hey, this is Spiel, the reading event for people who don't usually like reading events. I'm Joanna Baxter. And I'm Dana Mahana. And we are your Spielin' Good hosts. The two of us met in the writer's studio program at Simon Fraser University. We expected to become better writers, which we did, hopefully, and left with the huge added bonus of emerging as part of a whole community of writers. So Spiel is an inclusive platform for all genres with the goal of empowering and supporting local writers. Our format is short and sweet, five minutes max, because you know, Dana, a lot can happen in five minutes. This first episode features three writers from Spiel's fourth live event, recorded on May 30th, 2019, in Vancouver's historic Chinatown. The theme of the night? Close Encounters. Maggie McPhee works at a movie theater, volunteers at another movie theater, and otherwise spends time at movie theaters without any predetermined formal arrangements. She writes nonfiction, poetry, and as of very recently, musicals. Vancouver! (laughs) (laughs) My things are poems. This one's called Uninspired. If you chewed a marshmallow, and just chewed, never swallowed, and chewed and chewed, churning saccharine machinations, white wetting into gray saliva paste, not without its warm qualities, and then you pushed your tongue towards the back of your teeth and loosened the muscles of your lips so that slack-jawed, the filthy glue inched out of your mouth, first from the corners of your atrophied maw, then down the center of your chin with sophistication, Like the perfect waterfall, tourists entomb themselves in buses to photograph. And you let the drippings accumulate where they fell into a neat little gift of translucent mucus. Then you would discover the contents of my mind. (laughs) In case you cared, sometimes I think of depression as the artists, but it's important to remember that it also belongs to the man in the tan cardigan. Sometimes I think mean thoughts about Leonard Cohen. Sellout, I call him. I do this to make myself feel better. How disgraceful to ridicule the only pure thing. These are the depths of my depravity. Sometimes I wonder what percentage of women didn't come the night their child was conceived. I think the solution to many of our world's problems is more people born from mutual orgasm. Okay, now for melodrama. (laughs) Milk. Before her light glaze, milk legs. Between tired towels slipping open with hope, hot air, touching hair, then floral chair. Then yellow knot near milk breast, where hands hum red at the knuckle. Twists of fists slowly and eternally slamming into her chest, through bone, beside setting sun. Dust or dirt swim down limbs, a barren body available for eyes, the elements, erasure, 
upon the futon under the ceiling fan. Can she wait like this until history sits dead inside her like a miscarried incantation of all the ways he used to touch milk body with appendages of ego, sometimes while half asleep between two strawberry moons, and they swore nothing would be the same. But here she is three years later, and the tears still taste like rain. Now for the titular poem, Close Encounters. Ghosts visit the cave between my ribs and cover its walls in filmy prints, flooding invocations to the throat that cannot or do not overflow. Listen to the temperature of my tongue as it scorches these sheets while sleepless nights split the spine to make space for some thin ancestral reckoning. They buried their dead in the dirt like seeds to harvest old testimonies and feed their children the flesh of everything that came before them. Can my body bear the weight of whispered insurrections within the confines of its own constant petty thefts and scabrous lethargies? Can it hold secrets softly amongst congratulatory flagellations? And if I die at the end of my life, will the roots find footing in flames? Our next reader is Emma Jensen. Emma grew up in Richmond, BC. She has blue eyes and blonde hair. Emma used to wear an eye patch and headgear and suffers from mild rosacea. Thanks. I feel like I've never used a microphone. Um, so this is based on a real life close encounter I had from a creature from a distant galaxy who lived on a planet named Braggart. And this is the story of Braggart. <laughs> the early creatures of Braggart philosophized a lot. They thought and spoke of those thoughts so much that they became bored of thinking and talking and decided to stop. But the act of stopping got them thinking again. It got them thinking about the possibility of not doing the things that bored them, the things they found tedious or tiring or repetitive or strenuous. Right then and there, they decided that the creatures of Braggart would only do what made them feel joyful and enthusiastic. And so the creatures of Braggart spent their time doing what made them feel good. Soon many menial tasks were designated to machines, for creatures would only work when it suited them. The creatures would pursue interests, but tire of the effort it took to indulge in them. They exercised only when they remembered it energized them. The creatures began living in solitude, for socializing took effort. Some creatures married, but grew tired of their partner. Some even bore children, but would tire of caring for the child. The machines began taking tasks the creatures once cherished, while the creatures sought more and more pleasurable pastimes. In order to avoid having to filter their thoughts, the creatures stopped socializing face-to-face -face entirely. They stopped taking partners. They stopped having children. They <laughs> began using machines for every type of entertainment. The creatures grew old and eventually died. <laughs> Satisfied and alone. 
the machines are now all that live on Braggart, except for the creature who told me of it. And after that last known creature of Braggart told me this story, they told me that they would return home to Braggart, for they had grown so tired of traveling. <laughs> Introducing Noemi Atia. Noemi is currently studying in the Film Master's program at the University of Montreal. Soon, she will become a Cinemaster. For now, Noemi is screenwriting and learning how to tell stories through experimental video editing. She was a contributing writer for Beetroot Media for a year and wishes to pursue journalism in the future. Noemi writes short fiction pieces in her spare time, but has never presented them in public until Spiel. This is Last Mission. Hi. <laughs> the creature was drooling all over the leg area of the ship's passenger seat, just a few inches away from my body. I had entered the vehicle thinking I was ready for the ride through the darkness sprinkled in steel reflections and the geometric shapes of this silver-scaled city. I had accepted to go on this mission quite blindly, more out of loyalty to Joe, my teammate and friend for over a year. Things had not always been going well with her, and that night I wanted to show her that no matter what corner of this cubic universe uh, she wanted to take me to, I would go with her and try to see the positive aspects of our friendship, even though I was starting to wonder how two radically different people could get along. She had the capacity to accept and tame the creature. At least, she didn't express any fear or reluctance towards it. Watching her interact with it, I felt a mixture of disgust and endearment flowing in my hardened organs. <laughs> I admired how she could sympathize with such a quaint, underfed being that had an eye looking towards the void while the other was penetrating your soul. An unexpected fascination emerged from my part, the kind that stems from deep repulsion, as if I knew the beast's skin was inhabited by infinitesimal amounts of slimy, single-celled, deadly, poisonous beings hiding under its sleek, burnished fur that still intensely attracted my hands. In Joe's ship, the creature felt even more alien to me, as physically close as it was to my left leg. Both of my lower limbs were fused together on the right door of the vehicle, leaving just enough space for the beast to stay there still. The blue, shiny, and extricate vessel that Joe was riding could only contain two people in the creature's broken cage. I had to keep the beast on my side as she was steering the serpent-skinned wheel. Hold him still, Joe told me. It's not going to take long. She knew full well that I was not in my most comfortable state of mind. You can use this for the drool. I got it at the home deep space, she added, holding out a roll of pink towels made of absorbent tropical plants. I grabbed it, reminding myself how much I loved her even though she rarely acknowledged my feelings and how willing I was to help her during this tough time in her life. I felt like the situation was her own fault. She'd been accepting way too many missions lately. She just couldn't handle it. She didn't really have a choice, as she was in deep debt after slacking off for so long. 
but driving a, cre a dying creature all the way across the city from the moon to Saturn only to satisfy a young regional mogul who wanted to use it for eternal life serum tests, that was the drop of insensitivity that made the bowl of my tolerance overflow. <laughs> she was entirely conscious that the serum would only be available for the richest of them all. Capitalism still exists in the cosmos. We call it, <laughs> we call it cosmetalism. <laughs> I tried to explain the concept to Joe and how it was alienating to our species and how it had destroyed empathy and even had put our friendship in peril so many times before. She didn't seem to care, even though her job made her stressed to death even though it was only serving the enemies, the ones who detain all substance, the ones who maintain the distance between beings who belong in the same team, between Joe and me, between me and the creature. I peered into its eyes for several seconds as the ride was coming to its end. Saliva was dripping in slimy chunks from its ever-opened mouth. As much as I couldn't stand this moment of my life, helping a helpless friend and hating it with my entire body, I started realizing that the strangest, act, the strangest aspect of this trip was, was neither my repulsion for the, for the beast nor my grudging presence in Joe's cerulean vehicle. Our relationship had been dead for months and my heart waves had become numb and my emotions had turned into stunted myozotis flowering the per periphery of my metallic brain. <laughs> Underneath the cosmic street lamps, my silver skin shined more than ever, but she was still not paying attention to me. As I was playing with the tiny reflections between my forearm and the ship's dashboard, lighting up one button after the other, I felt for a millisecond like I was a human. That's a wrap. Thanks to all our brave readers for sharing their work. Spiel wants you to be next on our stage. If you have a poem or tale you're ready to share, or if you just love to sit and listen, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Spiel underscore Vancouver for upcoming events, featured themes, and how to submit your work. I'm Joanna Baxter. And I'm Dana Mahana. Stay tuned for the next episode of Spiel, where we will feature another three writers from our series of live recorded events. Thanks for listening. Yeah.